0: And that's what psychedelic medicines do for us beyond the health benefits, beyond the physical, psychological and mental health benefits. Psychedelic medicines or the entheogens, as some people would like to call it, they just want us to be good, get our stuff together and be a good human for ourselves, to our people, to our communities, to our families and to the planet.
1: hello and welcome to the Increase life where your life gets better because you hung out with me and my friends my name is jackson gage and this is my podcast some say the most intriguing podcast in the world and i tend to agree with those people who say that first of all i want to thank you for being here and i'm always grateful that you've taken the time to listen that you've taken the time to see what's going on here and that you've taken the time to hang out with me for an hour me and my guests, me and my friends, me and the amazing people that are around me. And I will um, echo the same idea over and over again. We become who we spend the most time with. And if you're unable to uh, find dope and amazing people who are doing uh, good things in the world, making positive change, working on themselves, becoming the greatest version of themselves. If you're having a hard time finding those people in your own life, you can come onto this podcast and hang out with me. And I'm contacting those type of people all of the time because I understand the importance of being around these type of people and learning from these type of people. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of like you're just sitting in on these conversations with us and absorbing the energy and the knowledge. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at The Increased Life. I would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, rate and review this podcast as well. That would help. That, that helps the algorithm. Uh, that helps the algorithm push this out to more people. And so let's get to this episode. Um, One of the things about podcasting that I've realized is the most beneficial is, and it's almost like a treasure that I found within podcasting, is the networking that you're able to do, that you're able to connect with awesome people from around the world and sit and talk with them. And I wouldn't be able to do this if I wasn't podcasting, really. And so today's guest I was connected with, um, by one of my other guests, uh, Gerardo Urias, who was on episode number 12, I believe. And he talks about his book, taking back my mind on that episode. And, uh, I met with Gerardo here in San Diego when he was in my neighborhood, we went and had coffee. And this was before he came on my podcast. And as we were talking, he told me about a psychotherapist who was a friend of his in uh, London, who I believe it's London, who, um, is also a holistic healer and administers microdosing to her community, to the people that come to her for the work. And so I immediately said, Well, let's connect then, you know, connect me with her, please. So uh, within the next couple of days, I got an email that connected me with his friend, who is my guest today, Susan Gunner. And um, we spoke, and I went on to her podcast first, which is. Psychedelic Conversations, and she speaks with people on the topic of psychedelics and uh, from the, you know, medicinal aspect. And after she went on my podcast, or I went on her podcast, uh, she came on my podcast, and that is the episode that we have today. And again, um, you know, she administers something that she calls Inner Reset Psychedelic Assisted Therapy, and uh, she also has something called the Reset Microdosing Program, and she's building a really powerful community. Of people who are wanting to get better in their lives and she has um, a lot of good things to say she's a powerful human she's sending out love into the world and she's living her purpose and her mission of helping those around her and her community is growing you know she's not just helping people where she is in um, the UK she's also helping people worldwide and I am definitely blessed and grateful to have been able to connect with her and again through podcasting now I have this amazing friend in London who is also helping people around the world and uh, yeah that's just what we do so again welcome to the Increase Life podcast and I am happy and grateful and blessed to be able to uh, share my conversation with today's guest Susan Gunner so please uh, um, enjoy this conversation and Susan welcome to the show. Susan happy to have you here thanks for being here.
0: Hi Jackson thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I've already given your intro. So um, if you would, can you tell the listeners more about yourself, how you got on this path of, um, you know, holistic psychotherapy and how you've ended up doing what you're doing right now? What led you here?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and connecting with your audience. Thank you so much for having me. So my background is always about seeking, you know, like we all do, coming to a place of, uh, you know, asking bigger questions and wanting to know about these existential, you know, things. And uh, from that journey, I ended up, you know, finding different amazing and different modalities. And one of my favorite one was the somatic therapy, which I immersed in it for a while. And then... Through that, um, I discovered medicines, psychedelic medicines that can also uh, fast forward the the journey for a lot of people. Uh, And in combination with therapy, I thought this was great. And then I feel like I'm in a place now that... um, combination with the therapy and psychedelic medicines can be the answer for a lot of the uh, deeper issues that we are seeing and experiencing in society so that's kind of in a nutshell how i came to be in this holistic space
1: okay so you were doing so soma- was your first uh, so you were doing somatic therapy first you were, so were you I practicing think, yeah. or were you were you administering that or
0: yeah so um so basically somatic therapy is a concept that um looks at the body uh, as part of the the healing uh you know process and before that I was uh learning and also practicing traditional psychotherapy and and of course you know finding um This somatic uh, experiencing, which was a somatic therapy, is basically the founder is Peter, Dr. Peter Levine. He kind of uh, spread this, you know, interesting concept to the world. And from that, so many people run with this uh, concept and they kind of formulated their own. And I call it somatic therapy. It's just um, simply means the body's role in the healing process. Uh, So we kind of bring in the body uh, as part of our um, transformational process. And also some of these sort of mindfulness practices, such as meditation, uh, breath work, yoga, and some of these, uh, amazing practices can be part of the somatic therapy too.
1: Hmm. Okay. So did you start with just traditional therapy? Where, where did your, uh, where did, when did that road start? Were you just, uh, yes. and how did you switch from You kind of already answered, but I'm just interested to dig a little deeper into that as far as you were doing regular therapy with people. And then you started administering um, psychedelics or microdosing, if that's what they wanted to do. Um, And you said that was from your own journey.
0: Yeah, exactly. So the, uh, the traditional therapy doesn't really work as well as, you know, when we just, if it's just a talking therapy, as you may already know, it's not so effective, it's not you know, it's it's got a bad name at the moment, um, although I think it's a good idea as an entry level, as an entry level, someone who's never, you know, done any of these healing modalities. I think uh, talking therapy can help uh, to a point, but um, it's more about, you know, helping the person uh, cope rather than actually addressing the root issues. So from that, I moved on really quickly and I got more interested in asking asking more questions about why. Why isn't it working? Because it's not about um, it's not really about the talking therapy and then prescribing the SSRIs or the antidepressants, right? That's that's kind of like the band-aiding the the root cause. So um, the ideally the, the ideal you know scenario would be to actually uh, help people address their root issues so that they can become more self-empowered. And in my experience, I believe that somatic therapy combined with medicines can actually really help people move forward faster uh, in the right context, of course, disclaimer, because a lot of people are doing all of this and more and still feel stuck and not be able to move on. Uh, in my uh, understanding and my experience, I believe combination of microdosing can be very powerful with somatic therapy, uh, or at least a therapeutic, as a therapeutic model, uh, in a safe container with the right context, I think that could be, uh, probably, or potentially the, the new frontier in, in the, uh, therapeutic approach.
1: Okay. So uh, when you say in the right, in the right container, you know, if it's used in the right container, uh, can you go a little bit deeper into that? Yeah.
0: yeah, Yeah, exactly. So the container, I, I, I talk about container a lot and, so the first container is us. <clears throat> so a container would be, you know, you and um, where you are in your process, your evolutionary, you know, consciousness, your your capacity and, and the foundation of how much work you have been doing. So all of these factors play in uh, when you do combine the therapeutic approach with microdosing. So one of the reasons a lot of people try microdosing and therapy sometimes one or the other or both uh, they say that you know still there is something they can't really reach uh, to a level they feel happy and comfortable or at least they are satisfied with the results so and the way I address this is because first of all microdosing can be very powerful even though people are taking tiny uh, sub-perceptual amounts of psychedelic medicines still it is doing so much in in internal systems and if the context and the environment or let's say if they don't have the right support or the facilitator or the guide um, it can literally become a very subtle experience that kind of the benefits and the um, insights that they may receive can just miss the perception. So there is a real, um, you know, it's really important to be working with a facilitator who kind of understands some of these nuanced, you know, experiences in the microdosing process and really kind of point them out as the person is going through their journey. And then when we bring in the modalities of therapy uh, and also the somatic therapy, then it can be really amplified and it can become a very tangible, uh, that, you know, they can actually appreciate if that makes sense. So the container is the, the first, the person where they are in their journey, and then the setting, um, that is created by the facilitator and the context that is, it's practiced within.
1: Okay. Thank you. Um, yeah. You just, I just want to rewind just a little bit for um, somebody who may just be uh, beginning to be introduced into microdosing or uh, doesn't understand what microdosing is. Can you kind of explain that?
0: Yeah, so microdosing is taking a tiny amount of a, a, a psychedelic medicine. When I say psychedelic medicine or psychedelic substance for that matter, so it is now known that it can be any any psychedelic substance can be microdose. For example, uh, psilocybin mushrooms are the most common, and then we have cannabis. Now we have um, ayahuasca, uh, mescaline, and DMT and uh, MDMA LSD. All of these can be microdose, which means the individual can follow a protocol where they kind of ingest a tiny sub perceptual amount of this specific substance uh, over, let's say, a period of time, maybe a month or a six weeks. And the protocol that I talk about is it's not something that advice to take every day. So a protocol, a healthy protocol for me is the less is more. So they can kind of ex- um, create a routine where they can take um, maybe twice a week or every third day, which is kind of my favorite by the way. Um, at the moment, there are lots of different protocols. I think the most common one is Dr. James Fadiman, which is my favorite. Uh, Dr. James Fadiman is the guy behind the movement of the whole microdosing in the Western uh, you know, sphere. And also uh, Paul Stamets, uh, he has his own kind of protocol. I think it's four days on and then three days off. Um, there are every other day protocols. Um just weekdays or the weekend. So it depends on the person, I guess, and also their needs or what they feel comfortable with. But for me, always less is more.
1: Okay. So who would you, is there a certain niche of people that you work with or who would you say uh, would benefit from? therapy somatic therapy and microdosing you know what would be their elements that they'd come for that i mean honestly i would from my opinion i think anybody can benefit but i'm sure there's a certain group of people who would come to therapy and want microdosing is can you go into that a little bit
0: yeah of course so since the um netflix series Pollan how to change your mind um my landscape of 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 the people that i work is changing um i think we're getting more of the people that probably never wanted to be you know looking for these or or seeking these psychedelic substances or at least didn't have any idea or didn't know anything about sort of this approach, you know, using the psychotic substances in therapy. So what I mean by that is uh, landscape being sort of changing, uh I am seeing a lot more um general, like a general public, like general, you know, the the standard sort of um, how can I say so usually let's say let's put it that way usually people would seek out these kind of experiences they they are usually uh, people who kind of dabbled in a lot of consciousness work uh, you know spiritual shamanic all kinds of different kind of uh, approaches and modalities but now we're getting just an ordinary normal people normal meaning you know you have just a just a normal day job and normal family life. so those kind of people are becoming more interested um, since the uh, Netflix series from Michael Pollan. Um, but like you said, um, I think microdosing is for everyone. It's for everyone. Everyone can benefit. But my approach has always been a trauma-informed therapeutic approach. I just love the you know setting a, uh, a you know context around this idea that. All of us are trauma survivors and we all carry suppressed survival energies and, you know, emotions and uh, traumas. So therefore, uh, I believe that the medicines, psychedelic medicines, especially used in microdosing form, they bring up a lot of stuff. You know, a lot arises uh, as well as um, increased in awareness and intuition. And which is also one of my favorite uh, concepts is building capacity. So microdosing can build so much capacity within the person's system that they can actually revisit some of those difficult memories, difficult emotions and and uh you know difficult unprocessed grief, uh sadness and um all kinds of things. So my approach would be trauma informed therapeutic microdosing, but like you said, I believe um everyone can benefit from microdosing in whichever way they choose to approach it as long as it's done through respect and therapeutic way or at least a ritualistic way or even a spiritual perspective you know we can always bring these medicines into our lives in any way you know form or shape if they if they wish to work with the medicines so there is no judgment in any other approaches Um, I just happen to use the trauma-informed version.
1: Okay. And when you say that sometimes you can revisit um, some of the trauma or memories or experiences that may be affecting you that you don't even know are there, um, I know that some people consider this or some people have one experience maybe with some mushrooms and they revisit some trauma and they consider it a bad experience and they don't use it anymore. Or even with with some with marijuana, which I think is a spiritual plant that helps you um, work through trauma as well. Someone will use some marijuana and they'll say it makes them paranoid, but what it's really doing is just working the medicine through them. Um, do you get that in your work? Do you get people who are saying, I don't like, uh, this is making me revisit this or, and I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it anymore. Or do most people who you work with realize the medicine is working?
0: Yeah this is a really good um it's a really good point to um talk about. I think a lot of us um coming from the western conditioned sort of model uh lifestyles. I think <clears throat> somewhere along the line we have forgotten to be autonomous and self-agent. <clears throat> I believe that uh, somehow the trust is broken. So it's um it's kind of like a learned conditioned um you know internal sort of beliefs that um unconsciously of course we kind of give away all the you know authority to someone else like doctors and therapists and you know somehow you know we believe that someone else has the answer for our issues uh, especially when it comes to uh psychological mental emotional or physical so therefore um for me microdosing is about changing that belief system or changing that conditioning. So of course it's challenging in the beginning because if someone has never had to deal with or process any of these difficult emotions, it is going to ruffle some feathers for them. And they're always going to um maybe say it's a side effect or that they don't like the you know how they feel on the medicine. And most of the time people will at that point quit and just decide that it's not for them, which is also fine because, you know, we have that choice. But I always say if you can stick through it and if you can just kind of work through and allow the medicine to work through you and help you process some of these difficult emotions, you will get to the other side. And it doesn't last that very long. Uh, Sometimes people, you know, begin their journey and then decide after a week or two, okay, this is it, that's all I can take. My, you know, I don't have the capacity to um, stay with it. So then of course, you know, they can always take a break, come back later, or maybe consider it again in the future. So there is a, a lot of f- flexibility around this practice because for me, um, it really brings a lot of agency and capacity and it builds a lot of stamina in the, in the person. So that they can then learn to uh, regulate and process their own emotions and actually be with some of the challenges, which also like translates into their daily life, right? If you can learn to be with your own emotional challenges, then guess what? you will be okay when life starts to you know throw uh, curveballs at you. you will be okay dealing at least not losing it, or stay in your center, still be able to um, you know face and deal with those challenges. So that's how I look at the microdosing process, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, that makes sense. Does it would you say there is a way to prepare yourself like to, to be best prepared for you know, microdosing or psychedelics going into it um, that that would at least help you out through the process as opposed to just going straight into it. I mean, you, you're going to you're going to work through Possibly you're going to have to work through some stuff regardless, but is there an easier way to approach it or to get yourself ready to do that?
0: Um, well, you can kind of um, recalibrate on the dose. So you can go a tiny, tiny, minuscule dose if you want literally pure, like almost not there kind of super subtle experience. So that's kind of like will help the person. And then be consistent Um don't have expectations, hopefully, but it's hard, but just kind of go through the experience and then, you know, it's, it's a bit like, um, I don't know if you heard of the book, uh, It's a Really Good Day um, by Ayala Walden. Yeah. yeah, she's um, she's one of the first people who um, wrote about micro her own microdosing experience with LSD. She was very depressed. Uh, she was a writer. She was a very professional Um woman in her career and she was doing really great and then she kind of hits this depression and uh, then how she does I don't know but she kind of finds out that there is a thing uh, called microdosing LSD and she discovers and she gets her hands on some of this substance somehow and then she starts microdosing but she really follows a very very tiny minuscule amount which then It's almost like she takes it and she forgets that she has. But then eventually, one day, she just kind of looks out the window and for the first time notices the tree in her garden in a very different way. And that's when it kind of lands that, oh, my God, I know what this is. It's the microdose. So that's kind of like a very subtle way of approaching. So it's not too much, too overwhelming to the system. Um, And then, you know, you can kind of build capacity from there. Uh, And then if you, if the person wants to go a little bit higher on their dose, then they can, because I think, uh, I believe uh, based on Dr. James Vanderman's researches, or at least anecdotal reports, people um, came to uh, understanding that anything between 0.05 to mils to 0.3 are considered as a microdose. So there are different levels, different um, doses, but I think Starting with the tiniest amounts can help people to build the stamina and the capacity to actually um, explore deeper doses, like more stronger doses uh, along the way. But to begin with, yeah, tiny, stick to, you know, less is more as always. Um, But then again, sometimes you meet some people and they're really ready, they're really ready for something to shift because they've been in this, um, dire situation for so long. Um, they've been maybe on SSRIs, antidepressants for too long, and they really feel desperate to kind of something to shift for them. So then they can go for the average microdose, which is, uh, in my understanding, probably, uh, 0.2, uh, grams of, let's say, psilocybin would be ideal, um, and then they can kind of do this over six weeks, and and really kind of immerse and commit and really devote to this protocol, uh, and then work through the materials that uh, you know arise from there from that point. And then there are other people who actually um, wants to taper off SSRIs, they want to come off their pharmaceutical medications, and they want to take a break from all these medications, right? So. I have a really good friend, uh, his name is Dr. Benjamin Malcolm, like he's really great in advising people that are on SSRIs or any other uh, pharmaceutical medications. He's really um, providing a lot of professional help. Uh, he does webinars and he really you know, vouches um, for the psilocybin to be the safest to help people taper off SSRIs. So, so there is that. So there's all different, as you can see, there's so many different angles and approaches. And different people, everyone so unique in their needs and what they're looking for. So I think to be clear on that is a good start.
1: Hmm. So have you seen um, successful cases with people who are on uh, antidepressants and, you know, pharmaceuticals with the usage yeah. of utilization of microdosing have been able to get off of those?
0: Yes, yeah, um, not just psychedelic substances. Actually, there are different plants that are not psychoactive uh, that can also help people um, come off their, their pharmaceutical medications. But, of course, the subject here is the psychedelic substances. Therefore, yes, of course, so many people are successfully um, tapering off or at least managing their pharmaceutical medications. But, again, it needs to be uh, a, in a really supportive uh, environment and ecosystem that's so crucial to the process. Uh, we never advise anyone to um, go cold turkey or at least do it too fast, uh, too much, too quick. You know, um, there has to be balance. There has to be patience. And it's kind of, it's a commitment to be honest. Imagine if someone's been on exercise for 10, 20 years, uh, we can't expect them to just come off within a month or two or a week. Um, even, even if the person is desperately trying to,
1: you know, taper off. Okay. So I know some, some of the people, like I said before, uh, microdosing is relatively new to society. People who aren't involved in it, uh, involved in the psychedelic medicine, but it's getting out there now, you know, more people are hearing about it and more people are spreading the word on the power of these medicines for somebody who doesn't know. And for somebody who's been, you know, fed propaganda their whole life, as far as, these are hallucinogenic these are drugs, you know, and that type of thing um, instead of calling it what it is medicine. are there are there side effects or anything that someone would be worried about from microdosing a small amount of psilocybin?
0: Yeah, so hmm, I count myself really lucky because um, I never had any recreational experiences in my younger days. I actually discovered psychedelic medicines very very like late in my life uh which has been the biggest advantage for me um because I cannot associate them as drugs or or you know that that stigma that you know that is attached to the psychedelic substances I don't have that um but I do you know, see the challenge here, and I do speak to so many people who carry that stigma and that negative association, or at least um, so many people had unsupervised recreational experiences in their younger days in really unsafe environments with people they don't know, mostly, um, and ended up in different, you know, situations that was not really ideal. So that kind of left an imprint and also the society. And of course, especially in the US, this whole war on drugs and everything else. And it's kind of ingrained in society's psyche that we, you know, these are really bad and we shouldn't touch them and they should be, you know, really controlled. Um, You see, so in, in, so, so so there's so many things I can say to that actually. I've been looking into this myself, like what is it, what can we do, what can we do to help people understand and also be educated and informed about what are we actually dealing with. So I have a few people that I love to mention. One of them is Brandon Roberts. He is one of my connections and he talks about cannabis and He's also uh, coming from a horticulture of like cultivating cannabis for medicinal use. He has this great idea and he says if we can educate the society and public, and then if we can create communities where these medicines are returned again as medicines, right? And then we bring in the women, we bring in the youth, we bring in the men and create jobs create you know all kinds of different um avenues like economical avenues and things like that that would end the stigma he said and i love that that's a really amazing approach it's just like re-engineering the education back into the system and then within a few generations things can shape and shift really fast so that's a really good one that he talks about and the other one is um a, a neuroscientist um, can't remember what was his name. I think he he said. He said um, the most dangerous psychedelic substances, or perceived as really dangerous, or drugs in that matter, should be legalized. Just because, so that we can learn how to manage and make them safe for everyone. Because when things are, um, you know, when things are hard and legalized in that sense, class A, for example, it makes it very difficult to actually know what to do with it when it gets out of hand or because people are continually using these substances in underground uh, situations. Or, I mean, people never stopped using psychedelics anyway since the, since the it since it kind of dropped into the system of, you know, in the Western world. In the 50s, I don't think anybody... Uh, cared so much about the legal landscape which kind of it's more dangerous and it's more kind of harmful than because we don't know we don't know what's going on we we cannot understand what people are using it for how it's been you know um, distributed and what people are doing with these substances so it's a very dangerous territory becomes and so there is a that there is that so making the most dangerous stuff legal so that we can learn how to manage them make them safe that's a really good point um and the other one is my favorite education education through these platforms through your platform through everyone that is in the space trying to bring education and more informed content so that people can finally slowly um change their minds so like Michael Pollan I know Netflix is not the best place but it's the it's the best place for everyone that you know, all walks of life people are always on Netflix. And I know the series only the highlights of what is actually happening uh for those people that are featured, but it's still kind of giving people an insight and a hope to investigate deeper. So that's where I am with this whole thing.
1: Yes. It's um uh, Yeah, I think it's I mean, the fact that the stuff is illegal is just, uh, you know, there's probably a lot of theories on it, but over time, you know, there's been a lot of like almost every native culture, every native culture, I think pretty much around the world uses psychedelics in some form. And uh, over time, over the millennia, a lot of those cultures have been, you know, taken over and that medicine has been taken. And it's been like, here, this is what you believe you live in this Western society. Now you're whatever, you know, this is God, you know, and it's been taken from people. And to me, people are a lot harder to control when they're in touch with themselves in touch with God, whatever you want to call it. And the psychedelics make it so that you see everything you're not, it's a lot harder to control you when you're, when you use plant medicine. Um, So of course, if you wanted to control the thousands and millions of people, you would take away the thing that gives them freedom in their mind. So um I saw a I saw a meme actually this morning I saw this it was a meme I'll send it to you it was pretty cool it was like AI generated and it had um like all the world leaders um uh, it had Trump it had Biden it had Putin it had all these leaders the the Korean guy I forget his name uh and they were all in uh, native garb and they were doing psychedelics and uh it made you think like man if all of these leaders were drinking ayahuasca in the jungle it would be a completely different world, you know? So, um, yeah, but I think that like this movement is building up so much steam now and these will be, especially psilocybin it's there. I mean, it looks like they're working to it's legal. And I don't know about in um, the UK, but it's legal in multiple cities here in the United States right now. And that's growing. So, um, yeah, man, the movement is on its way, but, the question that I had was, actually I had two questions, but one I, I want to get back to you before I forget. As far as a cycle, you said six weeks. Is this a one-time thing? Or is this something somebody can do for six weeks, take a break, do it again? Is it a lifetime thing? How, how does that work?
0: Yeah, so, well, uh, there are some circulating um, information. I'm not sure if it's an academic paper. I can't remember, I need to recheck. Uh, about maybe a long-term use of microdosing can cause cardiovascular issues, heart issues. Uh, I'm not too sure. Uh, I don't think we know for sure. Again, um, but subject to revision, of course, as always. So there is that, but um, otherwise there isn't. Um, some people say, for example, Dr. James Fadiman had, you know, thousands of anecdotal uh, reports from different people who used microdosing over several years, few years, months, five, uh, all different kind of time frames. Um, but I think um, I love Dr. James Fadiman's approach because he says in one of his lectures, you can't microdose for life because after a while the change and the benefits are permanent. You won't need to anymore. It's not a codependency uh It's not a codependency medication or supplement that you have to be on it for life because the change and the shift and the the healing properties are permanent. So therefore, I don't think someone can microdose all their lives. And even if they do for several years, I think it's very safe. It's safe to say that it is safe. Um, six week cycle is something that I'm passionate about. I know that a lot of people do one month, four weeks three weeks, um, different kind of timeframes. But for me, I prefer the six weeks, um, just because, just because I feel like, you know, coming from the neuro, neuroscience perspective, you know, we need at least a good amount of time to, um, unlearn and relearn, especially when it comes, uh, to the psychotherapeutic approach. So from that, you know, it's, it's kind of grounded in that knowledge that, uh, that kind of time frame is a good time to help people to really reframe and, and kind of achieve all the insights and, and make the change that they need to make. So that's kind of why I believe in the six weeks, but otherwise, I mean, people can do several weeks, uh, one month and then take breaks, go back again, take breaks, go back. It, it could be something that they can implement and then take a break, come back, you know, depending uh, where they are again and how they are sort of um, progressing. So, it's safe to say that it is safe.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, just to reiterate to the listener, uh, you can, you know, microdosing is not addictive and you don't need to do it your whole life. And it can help you heal your trauma and live a happier life without having to do it forever. So, you can change your life in a, you know, in a more positive way. In a short amount of time, relatively to a lifetime of, you know, if you're you're looking relatively to a lifetime of addiction to antidepressants or to depression itself. So uh, I just wanted to reiterate, that's very powerful. Uh, Something you mentioned in our last conversation was uh, I want to talk about the importance of having somebody who can guide you. And you mentioned in native cultures, there's a whole tribe, you know, and they had a whole system and and that's how they would uh, work their way through using these medicines with us, most people are off by themselves and, and a lot of people want to try things by themselves. And like, for me, what I explained to you was, um, my heaviest, um, two heavy mushroom trips that I did by myself up in the mountains when I was, you know, that's about 10 years ago. I I was doing it for the reasons of medicinal purposes, but, um, the same with ayahuasca. When I went to Peru, it was, you know, you go and have this heavy experience and then you're left on, on your own to try to figure that out. And looking back and moving forward, I would recommend, and I would have preferred to have somebody who I could speak with about it, who can help me through the process of uh, what's the word when you work it back into your life. Um,
0: Integration. Yeah. Integrating In- integrated. It. Right.
1: Yes. It, you could integrate it. So, but what you had talked about, how tribes had their own system and we don't have that now and the importance of guidance. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is my favorite subject actually. Okay. Um so so as I said, my approach is trauma-informed psychotherapeutic more so uh somatic bringing in the modalities that can help the body release some of the pent-up and suppressed stuff. However, I do love the indigenous idea like the indigenous or the um Wisdom traditions, how they use this medicine. I also have an amazing contact. Um, he teaches uh, dangerous wisdom. He teaches philosophical approach to healing and transformation. And I remember when he mentioned to me that um, in Elusian, you know, mysteries um, back in the, you know, uh, uh, you know, in Greece and in you know, all those um, wisdom traditions, they used to they used to see it as a rites of passage. Communing with the psychedelic medicine was a a rites of passage. So the the individual would be uh, under a mentor, guided, prepared, months and months ahead. It wasn't something they did every weekend. Now we see this happening, right? We see this happening in in the West. So they would prepare this to this experience, months and months ahead, under a mentor, a guide. And then when it's, their time and they're ready to go through this experience, it would be their initiation. And it would be taken so seriously. And it would be maybe like, I don't think they did this as often. And and then that experience or what's learned in that experience then would be integrated back into the person's life. So that's a beautiful way of working with the medicines. And again, the indigenous way too. So these medicines part of their life. Imagine like the BVT tribes that use iboga. I don't know if you're aware of Hamilton Morris. He's he's another of my favorite pharmacologists, and he he created series um, Hamilton's Pharmacopia. It was like a, I don't know five, six season or four. I'm not sure. I need to check. Um, there's some of his uh, clips on YouTube are still available for free, and there is one specific. Um, Video that he has, where he visits the bVt tribe and participates in an Iboga very traditional Iboga ceremony or initiation they call it, and you see babies, you see adolescents, you see youth, you see grown-ups, and then there's elders. There's the the entire community is there for this experience, right? It's intense. Uh, it's really difficult. It's kind of challenging but it is a rites of passage. So if you look at all the indigenous people, they incorporated these medicines into their lives to, you know, and they kind of explored them or at least um, communed with them in, you know, cycles throughout the year, festivals, death, rebirth, um, different things, right? Um, So it's part of their life, it's in the community and, and then the community becomes the integration. Right. Because it's all there. They have, you know, lineage of like wisdom lineage. They have elders, they have guys, they have families really, you know, tightly together. So then children grow up seeing them, seeing these um, ceremonies, you know, immersion uh, in these medicines and they see them as medicines as well. So it's a very different mindset. It's a very different approach than the Western model, which is now, as you can imagine, we have the therapeutic approach, the clinical approach, we have all kinds of different ways of working with the medicines now coming, um, thanks to MAPS Canada and Rick Dublin, they, they really kind of single-handedly brought uh, MDMA and ketamine to the world with all their hard work, but it's always in a clinical setting or a therapeutic way, which is very different than the community or the communal aspect of using these medicines. Right? So I'm not against it because obviously this is what we need in the West because we have lost the community. After our industrialization um, process, I think, I mean, look, look around very difficult. It's very rare to see a family together. Isolation, uh, single parents, um, so many people out there alone. There is no community. And which makes it very easy for those people to use the psychedelic substances to escape rather than actually do something of a healing transformation or rites of passage. Or Any any of these concepts don't exist in the West. And that's why probably the use got out of hand. Um, which kind of ended up in this kind of war on drugs type of, uh, you know, approach. But like I said, uh, we need to bring the communities back. We need to create our own models within our Western lives. We need to bring more connections, create spaces, platforms that can lead to more gatherings, even on Zoom, in person. I have brilliant friends in the US. They are using the system uh, of becoming a church and then making the, the psychedelic substances as their sacrament like we now have the first silo church right in mexico started in mexico uh, extended into the u.s like we are, it's happening so the communities are coming together uh, we are kind of coming back to that you know all the model of being with each other and also bringing the medicine in those kind of communities which is always far more beneficial than someone in an isolated home in a hustle bustle city with a really really stressful job and relationships and really lost for them to, to to you know it's easier for them to kind of use it to abuse the medicines rather than actually receive any benefits so that's kind of like gives you an idea why the community aspect is so important and I'm passionate about.
1: Yes, yes. Um, I was just listening to Aubrey Marcus talking about how loneliness is. Loneliness is a current epidemic. You know, people are so lonely for that reason. We've lost our tribal connections and even our family connections. That's a good point. You know, you rarely see people even with their families. There's a lot of people just living life alone, you know, in solitude. And um, yeah, community is super important for many reasons. I know that you have, you you have a community, right? Based around mm-hmm. what you do. What can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yes. So uh, we began uh, meditating together when pandemic hit. So I think it was 22, around 22 in, uh, I think it was in March. I can't remember. Probably. So yeah. Um, I had kind of like a presence online before that. Cause I was part of a coaching, uh, online co- coaching company and, I already had quite a good presence. And then when pandemic hit and everybody was kind of in this fear and despair, we were like, let's use technology to come together. So we started doing these meditation sessions together. From that, it evolved into a beautiful community where we start to explore different modalities of transformation and change and healing. Um, And then we start sharing experiences And then uh, that was the time when I started to bring in the education and integration of the microdosing to this growing community. And then from there, it just kind of went, really um, started to organically grow and also kind of extended to global, although it's kind of like mainly in the UK, but it's kind of extended globally. So we now have so many different members of the community all over the place and uh, we create online platforms we create groups and we do monthly calls there's a monthly support where we get together share stories and connect so that's kind of the essence of what i do and what i love and then the microdosing it's never about it's never been about the medicine itself it's always about connection coming together and building a community of like minded people or at least people who are you know want more for themselves and for their families, and then they want to learn more about modalities to grow, so that's kind of like the 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 mission or the vision and then from there it started to grow now uh we have yeah like i said uh ongoing support and 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 really beautifully growing community here
1: awesome so how how would one say if there's a listener who they would like to get involved in the community that you have going on how would somebody get involved in that
0: so I'm quite accessible they can find me online because I'm everywhere so Susan going everywhere like Facebook I'm LinkedIn um, Instagram so my presence is kind of like across all platforms I just believe in showing up in in those platforms I know that there's also a lot of stigma or like negative association with social media platforms but again depends what you use it for and how you use it for. Use it right. I, I use it to voice what I believe, and and uh, we have also the podcast. As you know, you've been a guest, so that was Im- amazing. So there is a podcast, YouTube, uh, psychedelic conversations. Um, it's a, it's every week we have a new guest, new episode, and it's always around community integration, therapeutic angles or therapeutic approaches and modalities in psychedelic use. And harm reduction and how to be safe and and how to screen where to have these experiences, where to go. And we bring in so many different facilitators all around the world doing some incredible work. And providing really safe spaces for people that they can kind of experience their psychedelic, um, you know, experiences.
1: Okay. So... What would you say to somebody who came to you and was on the fence about their, maybe they're battling with depression, trying to figure out what they should be doing with their life. And they have heard about microdosing and they have heard your podcast and they, you know, they're, they're just on the fence. Cause I, I do speak to a lot of people like that as well, right? There's a lot of people who are, who are on the fence. So what would your advice be to them, to somebody who came to you and is looking for some help
0: yeah, I always say um, make sure they are willing, make sure make sure that they are open and make sure that they will commit to this path if they decide and if they choose to because it's not that linear and it's quite treacherous um, and make sure they have the support system and if they don't, our community can provide that because the support system is so important. You know? the ecosystem Um, and then we invite them to kind of reflect on this idea of like this is not um, something that they can take and go through and experience psychedelics and then done you know that as well so we we you know personally I reinforce the you know dedication and devotion and also understanding that it may be A long-term commitment not just a quick fix we don't do that at all I never advise or tell people that it's going to be curing them overnight Um, because to be honest um, Jackson I think people have healed without the psychedelic medicines in the past even now currently Um, not everyone needs to be taking these medicines I think but everyone needs a community a good facilitator, a guide, a mentor, an accountability and connection. That's a really good start. So we can provide all of this, um, as a platform, as a foundation, and then they can kind of decide however they want to, um, go through the, you know, the path.
1: Perfect. Perfect. I love what you're doing. So thank you. um, we'll kind of wrap it up here for you. And one more time, you're, you, you're, your Instagram and anywhere else that you would like someone to find you.
0: Yeah. So, um, they can just type my name, Susan Gunner on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn. Um, otherwise, uh, even Twitter, I'm on Twitter and clubhouse. So, um, uh, something I need to share, um, me and a colleague of mine, we've started a, um, bi-weekly clubhouse conversations again, another platform to bring more education so we touch on everything psychedelic medicines the use harm reduction and also the therapeutic approaches and then i have psychedelic conversations youtube podcast as you know yeah
1: awesome awesome okay last thing here susan so i'll give you the the stage and you have say you have the ear of the people who are suffering and looking for help in their life and maybe they're suffering from epidemic of loneliness what would you tell those people
0: yeah for sure so um i think the reason i choose to work with the psychedelic medicines is because i believe it's an intelligent technology and i believe that it can kind of cut to the core of the issue quicker if if it's done in the right context with the right mentor facilitator and guide um, since we don't have the indigenous way of working and the shamanic, or uh, I know there are people out there, but personally speaking from, from my you know, angle, I think in the Western model, we're at the point in this history that we can create these incredible containers for people to come in and do their work under the watch of a facilitator who's really committed and also knows how to navigate the psychedelic medicine space. And someone who's also doing their work simultaneously because that's really important because one of the things that, you know, my harm reduction red flag is always about make sure you screen the facilitator and the place that you're going to be experiencing, um, it, whether it's a big, you know, flood dose or whether it's dose under a guidance, make sure they really screen the person because as you know, uh, any healing modality or, or processes can be tainted. Uh, by the um unaware psychological parts or the the factors of of the person if they haven't done their own work if they don't have the experience this is not something that can be read in a book or an article or at least um you know someone who can't just take one time medicine and decide to be a psychedelic uh, medicine provider or at least um a guide. So these are the really important factors that we need to be careful of. So, and also uh, another one that I talk about is um, not necessarily everyone will benefit, because um, sometimes you know I know psychedelic medicines for everyone, but sometimes people say it's not working for me. It doesn't work for me. You know, it's created these bad trips and you know i had these you know a battle with a lot of bad trips and things like that when i hear that i always say it's not about the bad trip it's because probably in the person's life there is so much at stake because working with the psychedelic medicines means also we need to be honest with our with ourselves so that element is is the biggest sort of fear or at least the uh, the challenge for many people because when we are honest with ourselves that means we may have to walk away from a relationship that means we may have to have that difficult conversation with someone that means we may have to walk away from the current job that is providing the shelter and the food which is at stake um, that means we have to show up to our kids differently right? That means we have to show up to the world differently, more congruent and more aligned. So that aspect is kind of a little bit threatening to to the people in the West when everything in the environment designed and designed to perpetuate this very thing, which is makes it very difficult to be honest with ourselves. So that's kind of my... Um, Conversation that I'm always having in our communities. And that's what psychedelic medicines do for us beyond the health benefits, beyond the physical, psychological, and mental health benefits. Psychedelic medicines, or the entheogens, as some people would like to call it, they just want us to be good, get our stuff together, and be a good human for ourselves, to our people, to our communities, to our families, and to the planet. And that's hard sometimes when there's so much is at stake. Thank you. you, I leave everyone with that. Thank you so much. Yes,
1: that was beautiful and powerful. And that made me think as well. You know, I never thought of it that way. It forces you to be honest with yourself. And most people have built lives that are not congruent with honesty. So sometimes you have to change your whole life if you want to be honest with yourself. That's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that.
0: You're welcome. Exactly. Like... Because the environment is perpetuated to survive, not to be honest, not to be congruent. And the medicines are coming really strong to change that paradigm now. That's the challenge of the medicine.
1: Yes. Beautiful. Thank you. I think we can uh, go ahead and end it on that powerful note. And I appreciate you being here, Susan. I look forward to further conversations in the future. Uh, Make sure you check out her podcast, Psychedelic Conversations. And everything else she's doing connect with her on social media and again Susan if you don't mind hanging around for a second after this I appreciate you being here and yeah thank you so much it's nice talking with you
0: thank you so much Jackson and thank you everybody for tuning in much love